am I on? Yes. Wow, Adrian, pretty good. <laughs> Ten points. All right, I don't have to worry about tripping on cords. Beck, thank you for that beautiful illustration, which I am going to use again and again and again and again. That was really good. Simple illustrations are so good. Right, well, um, I'm afraid the Learning family is a little bit in holiday mode and we have been away a bit over the season and we're going away. Oh, yes. I knew I forgot something. Thanks, Jono. We're going to be away again next week and the week after. We miss that wonderful healing thing, which is a pity, but still. So we were away last week and I asked Bernie what his message was and he said that he spoke on taking hold of God's vision. And um, I'm trusting that there is a link in what I say today or what I believe God has put on my heart uh, with what Bernie shared. Um, Bernie actually gave me the book that he's already, or someone spoke about. I've read that already. Yeah, because it's good. It is amazing. There's only one really sad thing in it. It's called the Great Southland Revival. Revivals came and went. And I wish they didn't go. But I, I know that in this, at the same time, there's been a lot of fruit from those revivals. But anyway, what I really want to share with you today is a message that I have entitled... Hmm. Yes, but the problem is. I, I've heard that statement many times, I say it myself, but the problem is. So what is the problem? Unanswered prayer? Is it sickness? Is it broken relationships? Feeling unworthy? Perhaps we believe in untruth, like... Oh, I can't hear from God. He's so distant. The problem is I'm so distant. How do I get close? I can't focus. I'm not like Pastor Bernie or Pastor Adrian. I'm not like Lyle who always finds reason to praise God. This is Lyle. I'm so busy. The problem is I can't find time to read the word. I don't have time to pray. I can't concentrate. I'm not a worshipper. I'm so tired. Do you hear it, church? Do you hear in that list of problems? We are so very self-centered. I want to give you an example from my own life. For many years, I have been interested in healing I want to see people healed. I'd love to come up to your wife and pray and have her jump up. And, um, you know, lots of us, I've got illness in my body that I'd love to see change. My husband struggles with hearing. And uh, I don't see more of the victory that is promised. The word says, by his stripes you were healed. It's happened. That's in uh, 1 Peter 2.24. The word says, lay hands on the sick and they will recover. 
Mark 16, verse 18. I've had at least three prophetic words from people that I've really respected in this church, visiting speakers, three specific words that have been about my having healing potential. I've read many books on healing and I have pondered the reasons for delayed answers. I listen to testimonies where people have had to wait. Just recently, I went to a, uh, Susie, you were there and a few others, uh, where I heard Annette Castro speak about her problem with her gallbladder. And she was in extreme pain for a long time. She had three emergency hospitalizations. She said, God taught me so much. I have to live for him every moment. I think there's a key there. Tinika, in her really long journey with pain in her hip, her constant witness was, every time I saw her, God is so good. These make sense to me. God has been faithful and used these situations. And I know there are many instantaneous healings. I've heard lots of testimonies. I've read about them. However, I have not seen much of this in my praying for people. I won't stop because I do know that we are healed by his stripes. The enemy has been able to shake me though as I saw my lack of fruitfulness in praying for healing as a problem. Recently, well actually, I should tell you how I came to this word. Um, When Bernie said, you know, I'd like you to preach, I went home and I thought, oh, that is, you know, who am I kind of thing. But God immediately gave me that word. But the problem is. And I had also bought this book by Bill Johnson, Strengthen Yourself in the Lord. And so I hadn't read it yet, but I read it, and the two, that that fit with this. So I thought, okay, God, I believe I'm hearing from you here. So in this book, I've been reminded that we must strengthen ourselves in the Lord. Now, have I done that? Of course I have. I'm only just on the right side of 70 still. But, so I have strengthened myself in the Lord, but the problem is I slacken off too easily. I forget. The subtitle of this book is How to Release the Hidden Power of God in Your Life. Now, I respect Bill Johnson. I don't know if you've read much of his stuff, and I have. I don't, I, it's not like a magic book. It's not, you know, um, like here's a formula, but he reminds us in that book of some amazing things that I would like to share. So, he starts by looking at the story of David. I had not really thought about this aspect. But David worshipped God all by himself out in the fields while he was shepherding. And he did that at a time that worship focused on the sacrifices of animals. Now he's a young boy really by my standards, a very young boy somehow knows God so deeply. Who did God choose to be the next king? David, the youngest the runt of the pack. You know, so it's interesting, isn't it? He worshipped, he knew how to worship. 
I've heard a lot of good messages in this place about the sacrifice of praise. My husband finds it easy to worship, I've got to choose. But I have found that when I make a sacrifice of praise, I get a release in my spirit. The problem doesn't disappear, but it's not as important. Now, as David lived this relationship with the Lord, he trusted God to give him victory over the lion and the bear. We know that. And those victories led to him knowing that he could face Goliath and beat him. Not those mighty armies that quivered in fear, David, a shepherd boy with a sling. David's story is really worth studying. He was anointed to be king and went back to being a shepherd and all the rest of it. He did not actually become king for 10 or so more years after he was anointed. And in that time, he suffered lots of difficulties, persecution, rejection. And at one stage, you know, you could read the story in um, 1 Samuel, but one stage, probably, I believe this was the lowest time in his life, the men that he had embraced, and if you've um, read the word, you'd know that the men that were his army before he became king were a ragtag crowd. They had been rejected, they were... Uh, they were probably outcast. And so he had cared for them. He embraced them. He trained them to become a mighty army. Now, at one stage, those men that he had taken in got really mad at him to the point of wanting to kill him because their wives and everything they had had been taken by the Amalekites. And they were ready to, I think it was Stone David, David knew God. What did he do? He went and strengthened himself in the Lord. 1 Samuel 30, verse 6. Having done that, and I'm sort of glossing on that, but that was major. He strengthened himself in the Lord. I don't know how many hundreds of men he had. I think 500, maybe three. But um, they wanted to kill him, but he strengthened himself in the Lord. And having done that, he said, God, what do I do? And God told him to pursue the enemy and take back all that they had stolen from him. The problem was, whoops, I knew I'd do this. The problem was that he was going to be killed, but he strengthened himself in the Lord and then he was ready to be king. The men went with him, they were turned back from their anger and they took back, I love this statement, they took back all that the enemy had stolen from them. And maybe we need to look at problems like that a bit. Anyway, David was ready to be king. The next thing that happened, um, the Philistines killed Saul and David and he was anointed as king. All right, there are lessons to be learnt in this story. God has a plan for each of our lives, but his greatest interest in us is making us ready for his purposes. He wants us to be victorious, not for ourselves, but for him. I find that hard. I have found that hard. I'm actually finding it easier. We need to mature and become more like Jesus. We need to be ready for his purposes 
for our lives and not our own, but the rewards are great, peace, joy, fulfilment. So the word exhorts us to renew our minds. Our internal focus and agreement can be either on the reality of God's kingdom established on truth or the destructive reality of the enemy's kingdom established on lies. That's our choice. So when we have a problem, what are we going to believe and agree with? The spiritual reality we agree with is what we become like. The enemy uses lies of accusations and intimidation to make the problems and conflicts in our lives resulting from what seems inconsistent things here on earth with what the word might say or the heavenly reality. I'm sick, I'm really sick, really sick. God says by his stripes you are healed. I don't get on with my husband. He's really difficult, he's always angry. There's nothing that, ah, my marriage. God says I restore, I heal. My finances are in ruins. Bart and I have actually experienced this. Um, we were building our house at Willow Bend Road, quite extravagant at the time because we'd made a good real estate investment on the eastern shore. So we built this big house. We'd started, we'd committed, what happened? Because Bart actually wasn't well. Um, we were way behind with our accounts. A major builder went broke on us and we were owed as much as it cost us to build. God has gave me, or I was, I was able to get full-time work, so God was good, but it was hard. What do we choose to believe? We're broke, we're not going to get out of this hole, or Jehovah Jireh is our provider. There's another one that I want to share. I thought, Danielle, you might not be here, so otherwise I would have asked you to step up. Danielle lost uh, her first child, child passed away just before she was born. Beautiful little baby. And um, it was a really hard time and I watched my daughter. I suffered with my, my daughter. And um, it was beautiful too because, you know, our family drew very close. But she told me, I've really battled with God on this. I said, God, why did you allow my little one to go? Why did you take my little one? And God said to her, Danielle, are you going to trust me? 51 weeks later to the day, she gave birth to two little boys, twins. <laughs> double blessing. You're a double blessing, part of it, Zeke. And, oh, you're the other one, Jonah. The other double blessing. So God does at times test us or allow us to be tested. I don't believe he took her baby. I don't believe that, but he allowed her to be tested. And we know that from scripture, Abraham and Isaac, Jesus tested by Satan. Daniel, when his men wanted to stone him. To be able to choose the victorious path is to be intimate with the Lord. The enemy causes us to forget the weapons we have and so we fall into fear and anxiety. We fall, focus on the problem rather than lean into God. 
Why do we so easily forget the victories we have had, the answers to prayer, the highs we have experienced? We're not the only ones. The disciples did too. Remember the feeding of the thousands with the fish and the loaves? Then Jesus went off to pray. The disciples went over on the lake. Big storm. Jesus walks by. Peter says, hey, Jesus, if that is you, tell me to step out of the boat. He steps out. He walks on water, takes his eyes off Jesus, focuses on the problem, and sinks. The same day as they'd seen the feeding of the thousands. The point is we need to be in agreement with the Lord and the victory of the cross. When we hit a problem, we need to be so strong in the Lord that we automatically bend our knee to him. We need to pursue God all the time so that this is our immediate response. So I'm going to ask if some of the kids want to come out for a minute. I want to do a little... I, don't, I want them to understand something here too. I've got three. These are all grandsons of mine. Okay, boys, would you please show us your muscles? <sighs> Come on, really, show us your muscles. Oh, have you got muscles too? Yes. Whoa, I just have to feel a couple of them. Well, yes, definitely. Okay, I've got a question. Okay, I've got a question. How come you guys are so strong? What makes you strong? She was practicing, that's good. God gives us a strength. You run around and exercise. Is there anything else that makes us strong? Yeah? Well, that would make you strong. Yeah? Thank you. Eat fruit and veg and broccoli. And spinach, Popeye. Anything else? What if we didn't? What if you didn't go to sleep for a whole week? You would get weak and tired. And if you would continue, you'd eventually die. That's true. Okay, now I've got another question. And Beck actually gave us a good illustration. How do we get strong in the Lord? What does it mean to be strong in the Lord? Let's ask that one first. Can I get back to that one? What does it mean to be strong in the Lord? don't know, yeah? It means to trust him through everything. Yep, so when Mickey makes you really angry, if you're strong in the Lord, what will you do? Ask him nicely to stop. Very good, ask him nicely. Sometimes we need God to help us do that because otherwise we get angry and we hit. Yes. Yes, Mickey. Or tell your dad or mum. Tell your dad or mum. Okay, thank you, yeah. You can just walk away or you can walk away. Thank you, guys. You can go back to what you were doing. I'm so proud of those kids. They actually know a lot of what I already want to say. All right. The question is how to strengthen ourselves in the Lord. None of this is new. We all know this. All of us know this. But we need to be reminded. I do anyway. Well, the first thing is... Oh, okay. Position our hearts to God. Can you read that? Uh, I changed this, Jono, so um, this is all going to change. Never mind. 
Okay, the first thing is that we need to position our hearts to God. Thessalonians uh, 5, 16 to 18 says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks. Always, without ceasing, in everything. Focus on God's truth no matter what the earthly reality is. Agree with God. We should do this all the time so that when difficulties come, we are equipped. It's like catching a ball. If I threw a ball at that little sleeping one, if she were awake, she would probably just let it go. You know, maybe not know to catch the ball. If I threw it at Adrian, he would know a ball's coming, catch it. That's how we need to be with the Lord. We, we need to be so in touch with him that when a curveball comes our way, we are quick to go to God. He doesn't bring about a crisis. I've already said that. He only gives good things. He allows the crisis. He sometimes punishes. We read that in the word. But we bring that on ourselves. Giving thanks and rejoicing in difficult circumstances is a weapon that destroys the enemy's purposes. So when things are tough, give thanks. You don't say thanks for the hard things, God. I can't say that. I can say thanks, God, that you are still in control, that you can give me the strength for this, that you will support me through this. Psalm 100 verse 4 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Nehemiah 8 verse 10 says, The joy of the Lord is your strength. These are not easy things to do. But if we can get hold of it, we can thank him for answered prayers, the huge list of blessings God has poured into our lives, the truths in his words, his promise never to leave us or forsake us, the Holy Spirit's comfort and residence in our lives, all greater, all greater than any accusation, crisis, conflict or problem that comes our way. Our thinking may not say it, but we need to focus on the truth of God's word. Years ago, um, when Sam, my second youngest, broke his arm, he was, I think he was three or four, he was fine during the day. He had a couple of pins put into his elbow. It was a really bad break. And um, he was fine during the day, but at night, he used to cry in agony. And I'd be next to his bed, crying with him, praying for him, and this went on for a few nights and I, I, I was so upset that I just said to God, what do you want me to do? I have to, it was a frustrated prayer. And God spoke to my heart. He said, give thanks for the medical care you've got and pray for those mums in less developed countries that don't have what you've got. That hit my heart. You know, because no mother likes to see their children suffer. So I started to pray like that, and I'm not exaggerating. I started to pray, and Sam went, <laughs> literally, clunk, and he, he didn't cry again. When he had the plaster off, the two pins were poking through his skin and into the plaster. Oh. So he was able to keep it still during the day, but at night, you know. But he, did, he, didn't, he didn't complain anymore, so the plaster was still on for quite... I'd even gone back to the doctor with him. 
All right. <clears throat> Praise and worship the Lord. Second thing. This is an act of the will. Didn't come easy to me. I grew up in a very conservative church. Um, a good church, by the way. Good preaching. But worship was pretty dry. <laughs> Why do so many of us find it hard to really enter into worship? The enemy comes to rob, kill and destroy. John 10.10 10. Let's not agree with the enemy. The word speaks of a sacrifice of praise in Hebrews and in Jeremiah. A sacrifice of praise. You know, if we praise him in hard times... What is going to happen? Nothing bad. I believe the heaviness that we feel will be overcome. I believe that obedience in this brings a spiritual breakthrough. I encourage you to do this. I have found that this is an effective thing to do. Praise and worship God when things are tough. Is it easy? No, because my will gets in the way. It's a sacrifice of praise. It's a weapon that agrees with the reality of God's kingdom and cancels an agreement with the enemy's kingdom. Bill Johnson in this book wrote, in worship, the sacrifice is no longer physical expression or verbal declarations. We are the sacrifice. Fire always falls on sacrifice. And when we are the sacrifice, we cannot help but be changed. And again, he writes, times of difficulty. This is something that really spoke to me. We won't do this in heaven. We won't be making a sacrifice of praise in heaven. We will want to praise. We, we, we won't have the problems we've got here. So here we can do it. And, and I thought this was good when he wrote, times of difficulty give us an opportunity we don't have otherwise. And that is the opportunity to demonstrate sacrificial love to him by ministering to him instead of attending to our pressing needs. When, we, when he sees that singleness of heart for him, that total abandonment, he can't stay away. Next, prayer. The word tells us that the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. James 5 verse 16 well, we are righteous in Christ, not ourselves, so that's dealt with. But how do we pray effectively and fervently? It's not by being long-winded. I think the Pharisees did that. But by spending much time listening to his voice and praying, and I don't know if you all pray in tongues, I have found it an amazing release to pray in tongues. If you don't... Pray in tongues, ask God to give you that ability. It allows the Spirit to pray through us. And how much more effective is that than praying my simple words? Effective prayer is not just throwing up prayer requests. I'm thankful that God convicted me of that as I wrote this. It's not hoping for a quick fix. I'd love a quick fix but it's drawing near to him and listening to what he says. Hear his heart and what he wants to do. Then we can declare 
what he says about our situation. Isn't that an awesome thought? I can't say I walk in victory in this, but this makes sense to me. God, I am so worried about this. What are you saying? And I believe he will speak to our heart and then we pray that back. We declare what he says. Jesus rebuked the disciples for their lack of faith in a life-threatening storm. We all cry out to God when we are in a life-threatening storm, when we're desperate. But God is actually looking for a faith that will enable us to enforce his will through declaration. I don't know if that makes sense to you. It's something I've been thinking about a lot lately. It's mountain-moving faith that pleases him. That's in Matthew 17. We need to see what the Father is doing, hear what he is saying, and agree in faith. Our strength is this. Now, I guess as a mum again, the thing that I've found hardest is when my kids walk away from God. <clears throat> That's hurt more than anything else, I think. And I have been released of that anxiety about my family. And why? Because I know when I pray, I am praying according to God's will. He doesn't want to see anyone perish. A mother and a father praying for the salvation of their family, their grandchildren. He is going to hear. He is going to work. I know he is. I don't have that anxiety. That was the worst anxiety I ever had. Bernie once said to me about a situation, are you prepared for that person to go into the deepest, darkest pit so that God will rescue him? And I said, no, Bernie, I can't pray that. I can now. Sometimes I now start to think, wow, am I not concerned enough about them? Because <laughs> I don't worry like I used to. But it's, I think it's just that I am sure God is doing, I know God is doing something I know he is anyway the next thing sorry I'm going a bit long we need to train our minds to agree with God's promises remind ourselves of the promises meditate on them treasure them repeat them Jesus is our best example when he was tempted by Satan he knew what God had for him he didn't have even well he's also God but you know, he went back to the word. He stood on the word and refused to engage in pointless argument. He'd heard, he knew God's word, and he received it. Sadly, we can choose to define ourselves outside of what God has said. We become depressed and discouraged. We feel hopeless. We feel worn out. Bill Johnson, again, says something really interesting. He gives excellent advice. He says, read the Psalms. And read them. Read the Psalms. He says that in the Psalms, every human condition known to mankind is found. He encourages us to find comfort and rest by reading the Psalms. We need to read the word to find the promises. Romans 10, 17 says, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And Hebrews eleven thirty three says, Through faith... The saints of old obtained promises. I've actually dug out this little book that Bart claims is his, What's Yours is Mine. This is an amazing little book. 
I know that we used to, it's a bit tattered, not tattered, but you can see it's worn. And so we've both used it a lot over the years. It's got 800 promises from the Bible in it. It's by David Wilkinson. Wilkerson. It's a good little book. And then lastly, no, two more, sorry. Giving testimony, the power of testimonies. Uh, testimony is an account of what has been experienced. So I've given you a few in my word of, of how God has answered us. A Christian's testimony is a record of what God has done and everything he has done becomes a part of our history when we join his family. And these records are promises that he will do them again because he is the same yesterday, today and forever. Hebrews 13. And he shows no partiality. When we are declaring what God has done, we are saying it can happen again. Healings, restoration of relationships. Bart and I had a terrible marriage. God restored. Provision in all kinds of ways. We've overcome that bankruptcy and we own our house. How did that happen? I don't actually know. Well, COVID. <laughs> COVID drove prices up and we sold probably at a good time. Um, anyway, we must not forget his works and his wonders as the children of Israel did. Psalm 78 says something a little scary. It says that the children of Israel, well, it's a summary of you know, the, the wilderness experience, and it says they turned back in the day of battle despite being armed and ready for war because they forgot the testimonies of the past. Too scared to go into the promised land. Did they forget that God had parted the sea? Yep. Water out of the rock, manna from heaven. Their shoes didn't... Anyway, we need to remember the testimonies. Remember the biblical ones, but also your own. Our expectations and faith will diminish unless we remember what he has done for us in the past. It makes us rise up in faith. We can choose to focus on the problem or remember God's work in our lives. Years ago, um, we had early prayer meetings here in, in our church, and I used to record what we prayed for in a journal on one page, and on the other, I would write down answers to prayer. It was quite amazing. I can't find that thing anymore. Maybe I gave it to you, I don't know. I don't think I did. Anyway, um, I know I did, and I remember looking back thinking, wow, God answered that prayer, wow. It's faith building. Yeah. It is faith building. And lastly, godly counsel. Seek fellowship with those who can encourage you. Avoid, similarly, those who always talk about negative things. Some people plant the kingdom. Some people plant weeds. Psalm 1 is a beautiful psalm, and God actually had me pray this for Bart in a time that he was in a dark place. And I, I don't know what book I read. It's, it's De the guy who used to say, pray something for 40 days. Anyway, I'd read that book and I thought it was pretty good and I found this psalm and I prayed it for my husband. 
Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. And God did an amazing work for us. Um, Bart got out of his darkness, and I learnt to not poke the buttons. But we are warned in the word that there is good counsel and there is bad counsel, and many examples are recorded. The greatest counsellor is the Holy Spirit. He counsels us to turn our focus away from sin and our limitations, our problems, and to strengthen ourselves in the Lord. So remember that David's biggest test was not Goliath, that was a victory, but overcoming his vulnerability to distress when his own men turned on him. And he did this by strengthening himself in the Lord. The Holy Spirit brings to remembrance all things that Jesus said. And one step further, he came to dwell within us, but also to bring on us the anointing of Jesus to release heaven's answers to earth's dilemmas. He came to manifest the kingdom, and this is what we need to do. So this message is mainly about finding personal victory, but we need also to come to a place of being ready and willing to do what God has commissioned us to do, to carry his kingdom power and love in the world that we live in. So church, the problem is not the problem, but it is our failure to strengthen ourselves in the Lord who supplies all our needs. May I pray that for us. Father, I thank you that the answers are in your word. Help us to read, meditate, find all these answers for ourselves. Strengthen us, help us to strengthen ourselves in you that we might be overcomers and carry your kingdom power and love to our world. Amen. Just one last thing. Um, God brought to me in our hard times some really wise counsellors and prayers. My mother-in-law prayed with me. We lived in Lindisfarne for part of this uh, twice a week. She prayed with me and, and counselled me. She was very, at times, brutally honest with me. And I, not many of you know her, but some do. She was a lady, but she was willing to be brutally honest with me. I thank God for her. I also thank God for Tinika and Fred and for Bernie and Susie, who in those dark times stood with us and never said, oh, not again. So find someone to stand with you if you are going through a dark time. Thank you.